Hi, this is Michael Waits, and welcome back to the Asian Tech Podcast. Today, we are joined by Yu Taniguchi, the founder and the CEO of TableCheck. Taniguchi-san, thank you so much for coming on the show today. How are you doing? I'm doing great, and thank you so much for uh, inviting us. You just sound amazing. I can't get over it. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's great to have you here. Before we get into the main part of this conversation, can we just get a little bit of your background for some context? Sure. Um, I am Japanese, but um, I went to move to Singapore at the age of uh, six months. Six months. And, right. And, yeah. and uh, went to an international school in Singapore. Came back to Japan at the age of six and went back to Singapore again at the age of 10 and came back to Japan at the age of 15. And uh, I have a very, very uh, unique or weird career. <laughs> I then you know, went to high school, but then dropped out um, from that high school uh, in a month and started working as a salesperson and you know did various things I'll, I'll talk about details if you want to know but then i joined a uh, credit card payment processing company uh helped help the startup um start their business and then you know finally founded my co current company table check i have to ask you this if you moved to singapore when you were six years old i have to presume it was somebody in your family's job that brought you there what what was your family doing that moved you to Singapore? And then back and forth, I presume it was for the same reason, yeah? Yes, my father worked for a trading company. Okay. And yeah, it's it's usually like, you know, two different countries uh, you would be moved to, but uh, for some reason it was Singapore again. And when you, you went to high school in Singapore as well, because if you were there from 10 to 15, where did you go to school? Um, a school called United World College. UWC. UWC, right. Yeah, nice. So when you came back to Japan as a 15-year-old or a 16-year-old, were you living in Tokyo proper, just outside of Tokyo? Just outside of Tokyo, yeah. Yeah, and you went to just a regular Japanese high school, no? Right. Um, it's a international Christian university, ICU. Oh, oh you went to ICU. Okay. Uh -huh. uh, for a month. <laughs> And what was the deal? Was it just really hard to transfer back from a place like UWC in Singapore into ICU? I mean, not a lot of Japanese kids leave high school, to be fair. Well, I never wanted to go to high school, actually. And I told that to my parents. And I, I just wanted to get out into the world and start working and experience you know, things I, I've never experienced. But then my parents um, successfully persuaded me to just, you know, go to university, I mean, high school and, you know, check it out. And I did that. And but still, I wanted to, you know, get into the world and, you know, instead of sitting in the classroom and, you know, reading textbooks, <laughs> things like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love this idea. Did you feel like when you left that you felt free? Mm, yeah, I felt like uh, I have nothing to lose. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's my parents always told me like, since I was small, the key to a happy life is to go to good high school, good university, right. and you know, work for a big company. Right. <laughs> and I was very, very skeptical about that and wanted to prove that, you know, they were wrong, or that, you know, people can 
still be happy <laughs> without going to a good high school or you know joining a big company yeah well it seems to have worked pretty well i want to look something up just give me a second there's this great song that i love so janice joplin has this song called bobby mcgee and one of the phrases in the song says freedom is just another word for nothing left to lose and i love this idea this is one of the things that i try to teach my daughter as well right is that and she had this poster up on her wall when she was like 13 or 14 in life, the only regrets you have are the things you didn't do, not the things mm -hmm. you did do. Does that make sense to you? Uh, totally, yeah. Yeah. And I love the fact that she's playing it out. She can do whatever she wants. I kind of don't care. Anyway, what was the startup that you worked for originally? And how did you get into a startup? Because if you're working for a credit card company, a credit card payment company, what was the move from there into the startup? Like, how did you even know startups were there? You know what I mean? Um. Yeah, the I was working for a credit card company and was supporting, you know, various e-commerce websites oh. and, uh, you know, B2B and B2C both. And, uh, you know, these guys, uh, there was a company uh, founded by three foreigners in Japan. And uh, they came to me at, at working at a credit card payment company saying that, you know, they want to start a business similar to Groupon and they will be the first in Japan. Okay. And... Initially, they were just a you know customer, and you know at the time I was fed up with uh, working at credit card payment company. I wouldn't disclose the name, That's but okay. um, <laughs> and um, you know they 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 you know consulted me saying like you know oh, you know they they have no Japanese uh, employees, but then they have to approach to the restaurants, hair salons, uh, you know, etc., right. and they have to be able to pitch and market in Japanese. So they initially asked me whether I wanted to join them as a sales manager. And yeah. I looked into Groupon's business model um, and, and uh, my opinion was that, you know, the business model was corrupt. Uh, it was not going to be successful. But I had other ideas to make it better and make it work. So I discussed my ideas with those three guys, the founders, and Actually, I asked them, like, you know, okay, I will help you as long as you can promise me that, you know, you will make me CEO of the company within six months. And uh, they had to sit on this idea for a couple of weeks and came back to me and said, okay, let's do it. So can I ask you this? Because in retrospect, the Groupon model clearly was broken, right? I mean, a lot of mm -hmm. companies that actually use Groupon figured out later that it, it in a way it kind of destroyed some of their businesses right you have 700 people show up to a restaurant that only accommodates 30 mm -hmm. and they never come back because they're only there for the discount what was it about the business model that you thought was corrupt and that you then talked to the founders about do you know what i mean and what did you want to mm -hmm. change so there was no targeting so there was no concept of like you know who do you want to you know come to the restaurant uh, with a steep discount, right? Because if you just give a steep discount to everybody and you know make it public, of course there will be bargain hunters who will never repeat visit that right. restaurant. Right, right, right. But if if you can correctly um, target the customers who are likely to love your place and try it out for the first time, this customer, if they are satisfied, they would be a repeat customers at regular price. But you know, Groupon didn't have that concept at all. It, it was very very like um analog yeah it was super basic for a, for a platform that mm -hmm. was using technology in the mobile phone right there was some geolocation and some gps stuff but frankly they weren't using any great data analysis 
Well, I want to get the mm. data later, but you're mm. right. There was no method to that madness, it seemed to me as well. Exactly. Yeah. So what was your idea that you pitched to them? Did you say, let's do something different, but let's do, let's do it like this kind of way? Yeah, I wanted to like uh, bring in more um, marketing aspect into into the business model yeah. because you know clearly Groupon wasn't really a sophisticated marketing method or anything like that. I basically told them that you know I'm uh, you know I, I'm I was young and I was arrogant. <laughs> it was clear that you know I was more capable than them, so that's why I, I asked them like you know you should make me CEO, CEO instead of you staying as a CEO. Yeah. What were those guys doing beforehand? Like what other kind of companies were they working at or what were they running before that? They they were teaching English to hair salons, restaurants, uh, you know, small business in, in Japan. Got it. Okay, so they weren't running tech companies. They were mm, teaching no. English. I don't want to be pejorative about that, but yeah, there's a whole group of people that go to Japan to teach English. Mm-hmm. So did you did you do that business or did you just move right in to do table check? And what was the idea around table check to begin with as well? So yeah, I spent eight months um, at this startup. Um, as soon as I joined, I was uh, informed that you know they they've already signed a investment contract with oh. Rocket Internet, and oh uh, shockingly, they gave fifty one percent. To this VC, and so they assigned this, you know, Harvard MBA grad, you know, kind of person as the CEO, and they gradually moved out all the founders, uh, original founders from the company, and I tried to negotiate um, to become a CEO with with this, uh, you know, VC, but uh, yeah. they it never worked out. So that's why I uh, founded my own company. And yeah, I mean, I was. I was going to say, sorry to interrupt you, but that's kind of the way Rocket works, right? They'll invest some money in you. Most founders would not give away 50% or 51%, whatever it was. But they'll definitely get somebody from some, you know, like from BCG or from Anderson Consulting and install them as the CEO. Most likely mm-hmm. a German dude, yeah. German dude, yeah. <laughs> okay. So what was the idea behind table check? You just said, enough of this. I'm going to go out on my own. Which wasn't, do you feel like this was inevitable for you to run your own company? I think so, yes. Because um, when I was working on the credit card payment company, um, it was my first proper career. And I realized that I, I knew nothing. So I knew nothing about, you know, um, accounting. I knew nothing about uh, legal, you know, laws, yeah. regulations. I knew nothing about many things. And so I started, started uh, studying uh, every day and night spent about five hours on weekdays and 10 to 12 hours on weekends. And, um, you know, after a year or so, I realized that uh, I had more knowledge than anybody in the company about everything. (laughs) Again, I was young and And arrogant. (laughs) So I started, um, you know, I joined as a salesperson, but then I started working on marketing as well and, you know, ended up, uh, you know, giving orders to the legal department, etc., and eventually the company was a joint venture uh, between a Japanese company and uh, U.S. headquarters. Got it. I I went to the U.S. and told the founders and the board members that they should buy back the the Japanese JV's shares and appoint me as a CEO <laughs> because I can run the business better. Good. This is definitely your quest to to run something. You can feel it from the earliest time, no? Yeah, so I 
you know, I, I just felt like just, just the phrase you mentioned earlier, like you will regret the things that you did not do. Yeah. So when I was working, I knew that, you know, the, uh, the methods to run the business better. But if I cannot execute that, right. I would be very, very stressed out. Right. And and I couldn't bear that frustration. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? You're sitting in a room with a bunch of people and you're thinking, I know the answer to this and nobody in this room can come up with the answer. And either they're going to listen to my answer or I just have to do this by myself. That's why I said it was inevitable. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So what, let's get back to this. What was the idea for table check, right? So you're trying all these different things and you say, darn it, I'm just going to go do this on my own. So firstly, I love eating, going to you know restaurants and having great dinners. And I was searching through um, restaurant review sites and, you know, checking the latest uh, new opening restaurants uh, during my work hours. Yep. And, uh, you know, every time a colleague or my boss passes, you know, behind me, I would have to, you know, switch my screen from the review website to Excel or PowerPoint in the <laughs> spreadsheet. And that was very frustrating for me because you only have one lifetime yeah. and you know most people spend maybe not majority but a lot of you know a large portion of time awake uh working at office yeah and i just thought that you know should i live a life like this like you know not being able to do what i actually want to do right or should i live a life where you know i i, I do what i want to do for you know majority of my time yeah, I think it was and, I think it was Thoreau who said the mass of men live lives of quiet desperation, right? And just can't live that way. It destroys your soul. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and at, at the same time I was uh working at a credit card payment company and at that time um all the hotel room bookings mm -hmm. shifted drastically and rapidly from offline to online. Yeah. And one of the reasons is, of course, it's more efficient for the business. You don't have to um, hire a uh, English and Chinese and Japanese speaker and make him or her stand in front of a phone for you know twenty four hours. Right. And at the same time, one one other reason the hotels uh, loved uh, online booking is because they were now able to capture uh, cancellation fees. Before, it, you know, when it was offline, they would have cancellation policy. And if the guest does not show up, they might call, call the guest and ask them to wire the cancellation fee. But yeah. of course, most of them would not do that. That's not going to happen. So I, I, I thought, like, you know, it was very natural for other business to, you know, start accepting online bookings and at the same time, uh, making people enter credit card details so that the business won't, uh, you know, get harmed by uh, cancellations. So what year was this, approximately? Uh, the, I founded the company in 2011. Oh, okay. So that's a while ago. I'm just trying to remember, right? I was still living in Japan, depending on when you started this company. I was still living there. And there were plenty of sites mm -hmm. that were doing restaurant recommendations, Tabalog, mm -hmm. like all these sites, mm -hmm. right? And it always... Mm -hmm. And I always wondered, it was the same thing to me for like the real estate side. So they were lead gen, which was nice, but they weren't involved in the transaction. 
And I always mm-hmm. wondered why they didn't get involved in the transaction because you obviously saw this. You're like, wait a second, if I can get involved in the transaction and the booking of this, then I can definitely make some money that's not based on advertising or just on eyeballs alone, right? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, uh, back in 2010, I um, visited the U.S. headquarters um, multiple times, like every quarter. And I called up a restaurant in San Francisco yeah. and uh, tried to make a reservation. The staff said, like, you know, oh, how can I help you? And I said, uh, I want to make a reservation. And the staff says, oh, you can book online. And then he just hung up. And I was shocked because, you know, people in San Francisco, it was so natural for them to just make online booking, right. maybe through Open Table at yep. the time. And, um, yeah, the, the staff didn't seem to be rude or anything like that. He was very natural that, oh, you can make you know, reservation online. You know, you don't have to make a phone call. Right. And I, I, I you know, was confident that, you know, this, this was going to be the standard in Japan as well. But sure. uh, at the time, there was only one website that was providing uh, online booking, which was uh, Osmo. Osmo. Yeah. It's a very small, minor website. Yeah, fair enough. Does it still exist or no? It does, it does. Okay, so tell me more about table check. So this was your idea. You're like, wait a second, I can do this in Japan, yeah? Sure, so I wanted to do something with restaurants. That's the, that's the core idea. <laughs> and um, online booking and credit card payment uh, combined. So, you know, our, our business is like, combined uh, with three business models maybe you can say that Go ahead. one is you know helping the restaurants manage their you know reservations and customer data we call this table management system tms so we we, we charge a monthly subscription fee for you know using the system and at the same time we provide um credit card payment solutions where the merchants can um ask the guests to prepay or you know, pay cancellation fees, or even the checkout process, uh, the, the guests can register their credit card details upon reservation. And then when they eat and drink at the restaurant, and the bill is fixed, the restaurant, all they have to do is they, they would, you know, go to our table check manager, admin, and enter the bill. And, and, the, and the bill is uh, charged to the credit card uh, that was pre-registered upon reservation. Go ahead. And what's the third one? The third one we haven't actually released yet, but it's uh, marketing automation and optimization. And this this has been the business model for, I mean, for the past seven, eight years. And we've never changed our business model ever since. So this is pretty amazing, though. Can I, can I go back to 2011 or 2012 when you first walked into a restaurant? And for the people that don't live in Tokyo or don't live in Japan, you can't underestimate not just the Japanese food culture, but just the food culture overall. Like the Mm -hmm. best Italian food you've ever had in your life is like on a small side street in Tokyo somewhere. I'm pretty sure about this. At least it is for me. And the same thing with French food. And French people will tell you the same thing. Sure, they love their hometown food, but the guy, the Japanese guy or gal that went to France and studied and brought it back is just making Mm -hmm. killer food. But what is it like going into some of these places and saying you need a table management system, at least at the beginning, right? Well, initially, there, the initial reaction was that, um, you know, online booking 
is not going to become a standard, you know, booking method. Really? You know, 90% of the restaurants, 95% of the restaurants believed that uh, booking for restaurants will stay uh, offline. Really? I mean, phone, phone reservation will be the standard. And even the VCs, actually. I've pitched to, I don't know, like 40, 50 VCs. And the first question they would ask is that, do you, do you really believe that people would start making online reservations for restaurants? And I'm like, why? Why not? <laughs> so <laughs> do, they, do it do for you... air, they do it for airlines. So they're happy to get on a plane that they've booked. And they buy things on Amazon. And they book hotels online. And, but then for restaurants, they believe that you know, phone, making phone calls is much more convenient. So interesting. So did you ever get funded? I mean, I know this is a different part of the conversation, but did you ever get funded from a venture capitalist or did you just fund this out of revenue? In, in, initial funding was done by uh, angel investors and then a VC afterwards. Got it. Um, only after we closed uh, Hilton <laughs> as a client. <laughs> oh, God. There's nothing like a venture capitalist when it comes to taking risk. We can talk about that later as well. Is there anybody? So I love this idea of the cancellation fees. But what is it like when I go to a restaurant, I input my credit card information, and then do they come to me with the table check application and I, pay, I have to approve the bill? Do you know what I mean? Um, for cancellation fee, you have to agree to the cancellation policy upon making reservation. Yeah, not that. I mean, when the bill is done, if I've eaten, I've loved my meal, oh, and stuff okay. like that, yeah? No, you don't have to approve or anything like that. Um, after the restaurant enters the bill amount into our uh, TC admin, uh, you will receive a short message on your phone An SMS. and with with the amount that was charged and also you can access to a receipt wow so wait a second so if i'm a consumer i have a i have a table check app and i'm like let's go out to dinner with my girlfriend or my wife or whatever and i like book a thing i've already agreed to the credit card details i put my credit card stuff in and i go to my favorite italian restaurant i go there and i eat I want to get to something in a second because it's really important to me. But you're saying I order my food, I drink my wine, I do mm -hmm. whatever. I say thank you very much for dinner, and then I'm done. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, it's exactly the same um, thing yeah, yeah, uh, you're doing. Yeah, but the the oh. point that I want to make that's different is this though, and that is when you go to like a high level resort, they make it feel like when your dinner's done. I've been to like to one of my favorite uh, resorts. It's the Amampulo in the Philippines. Yeah. And the best thing about it was that when you were done eating, they knew who you were and they never brought a bill to your table. So you knew you were paying for it, but it didn't feel like you were paying for it. Mm -hmm. It just felt like you got this incredible service. And that's what it sounds like this is doing. I go out to dinner, I'm on a great date or whatever. Dinner's done. It just gets approved. I get an SMS and I go, fine. And then I leave. Mm -hmm. It's just a much better experience for me because I don't like that idea of signing a check, checking the bill. And in Japan, actually, do you benefit from the fact that there's still no tipping, I'm guessing? So the bill is just the bill there's and then no you're tipping. done, yeah? Right, right. So, you know, it's a perfect solution for dating purposes, for yeah, example. Yeah. Because uh, at least in Japan, um, people try to avoid um, their, you know, girlfriend or boyfriend. Seeing how much it costs. Seeing you, yeah, yeah, seeing you pay the bill. Or also for business dinners, maybe. Yep. When you're paying for, for your guest. But is so does this tie into 
you know, like when I used to work at Goldman Sachs, if I would take a client out to dinner, I'd have to save the receipt, copy the receipt, send the receipt to my company. It, does uh, it integrate also with the company so that they know what I'm doing on table check? And then I, that just seamlessly sends them a receipt as well for business accounts. That's actually a very good idea. We are still not doing it yet, but we let the guests access receipt online. So they, they would still have to print it or maybe send the uh, image to their company right. in order to uh, reconciliate. But I, th I think that's a very good idea, actually. I like it. We can, we can sell to the company saying like, you know, oh, okay, make your you know, employees life much easier. Yeah, but also because, again, if they're, ha if they're carrying their company American Express card anyway, they put it mm. in, like there's a whole market out there for people. You just go to Goldman Sachs and say, have everybody use table check for every business center that they do. Boom, it's just done. Every time they book, mm -hmm. somebody knows about it. They know where they're going. They know who they're going with. It sends the receipt right back into the receipt system. It's one of the hardest things that people at big companies do is just having to fill out an expense report. Mendok's side, mm -hmm. such a pain. Right, if you could right. build that in too, then every company in the world is going to want to use it because now their whole process is made so much better, particularly if they're already booking. Anyway, mm -hmm. that, okay. that's my uh, yeah, idea for please the Please introduce me to someone at Goldman Sachs. <laughs> I'll do the best I can. <laughs> I'll do the best I can. You talked about data earlier, right, when you are talking about Groupon and these three, uh, three foreign founder people. Mm -hmm. What kind of data does TableCheck gather now if you can talk about it a little bit and what do you do with it besides this uh, marketing optimization and automation do you know what i mean right so we currently collect data um such as you know reservation details so number of people time um you know purpose uh what they uh what which menu course they've reserved yeah also we integrate with most major pos vendors okay and if the restaurant um, wants to integrate POS data into table check, uh, we can also do that. So we can actually see like how many beers they've ordered, how many, um, you know, what, what they've ordered. And uh, we are planning to utilize those data to, you know, provide deeper insight into the restaurant's uh, business uh, for the restaurant owners or, uh, you know, lar larger marketing uh if, if it's a larger company, they, they would usually have marketing team. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's it, it's impossible without a TMS table check or POS uh, data being integrated for them to analyze, um, you know, their customers in details. Yeah. And but also the reverse thing works as well. Right? Let's say I'm a small chain, right? I'm not global dining, but I'm a small chain and I've got five restaurants in five different places in Tokyo. And I try to do consolidated ordering, but mm. it's different in every location. So maybe Tuesdays are busy at the one in Ginza, but Fridays are busy at the one in Shibuya, right? Mm -hmm. If you're gathering all this data connected to the POS, is there a way then to do the automation of the ordering of the, you know, the ingredients as well? Do you know what I mean? So connecting um. that to the back end as well. Right, that's... If you're gathering that data, like if you know how many beers, sorry, if you know how many beers they're ordering, then you know how many mm -hmm. kegs they have to order or how many cases of Heineken or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, is there a thing to do there as well with all that data? Well, in, in theory, that's possible, but at the same time, there's a very strong competitor uh, in the market already, oh, okay. uh, which has a very, very high market share. So we're not entering into that uh, domain. Just but curious. in theory, we can do that, yes. Okay. Can you talk a little bit about expanding outside of Japan 
right? Because the Japanese market is very specific, but this should work kind of everywhere there's a restaurant, no? Mm -hmm, what are some of the so, challenges you found of expansion? Um, I'll start off from my, um, you know, opinion about how you should operate business. Go ahead. Um, yeah. So I think it's very natural for, for a company to select a market that is growing and Japan is not growing. So uh, from day one, I wanted uh, this business uh, to expand outside of Japan. But of course, you know, start from Japan because I'm a Japanese. I have a lot of network here, right? And uh, you know, have advantages. And um, we have offices in seven countries outside of Japan, mostly um, Asia, uh, Korea, Singapore, Australia, Indonesia, Thailand, uh, mainland China, and Dubai. Wow. Okay. And um, our service name, Table Check, is, you know, only using very simple words so yeah. that anybody in the world can understand what it means. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and also another reason, actually, to confess is because Open Table was so major already, I wanted to, people to confuse us with Open Table. I got it. <laughs> I got it. And did that work? Um, yeah, it worked for some cases, actually. <laughs> But I mean, expanding to Dubai and expanding to mm -hmm. oh, okay, Outside Korea is just different, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's different, but uh, our strength is that um, we have uh, global hotel brands as our clients. Oh, okay. And how it works is that those brands um, uh, have a headquarters, and the headquarters would usually have to certify a vendor, uh, uh, each property, each hotel in every market uses. So table check was certified by the um, headquarters. Got so it. we can actually go to any uh, hotel in, in, the, in the market, in other markets and say that, you know, we are already certified. Why don't you start using us? Because if you wanted to use a different system, the headquarters would have to spend another six or, you know, 12 months to certify that vendor. Right. Can I ask you this, though? There's a travel aspect to this business as well, then, right? In other words, if you're dealing with major hotels, there has to be a travel aspect. People do come from the local you know, city to go into a hotel to eat, but most of their guests are probably going to be from overseas or just from other cities. Was there an impact of COVID? I mean, we almost have to ask over the past mm. couple of years. And did you get early signals that there was a recovery coming as well, just based on usage? Do you know what I mean? Right, right, right. I mean, um, when the COVID hit, of course, you know, it impacted our business and uh, our clients, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but as a company, we managed to um, record increase in revenue for most of the month. Got it. And uh, still in Japan, if we look at data, uh, the number of customers coming to the restaurants is still 60 to like 50% down compared to 2019. Oh, really? And uh, it's gradually recovering, but not at a very high speed. It's very gradual. That's interesting. I know. I feel like things are going to accelerate. And is that just in Japan or is that in, in all the other countries where you operate as well? Uh -huh. it depends country by country because some, you know, for instance, mainland, Chi mainland China yeah, is, enough. you know, locking down. And, you know, other com countries like Singapore, Thailand, they're, you know, opening up the borders. So it, it's, it depends country by country. Got it. Um, what does an ideal partner look like to you? Is, are there more hotels that you want to get into or are there just, you know, is there just a great restaurant that you want to be a partner with? What does that look like to you? 
we our target is um high-end or popular restaurants so one example would be michelin star restaurant got it or any local restaurant that is super popular and super busy because if, if your business is slow you wouldn't probably need a system to manage your reservations or customer data yeah fair enough what's um what's your favorite food <laughs> that's a very difficult question I know um, everybody asks me that actually and everybody asks me for a uh, recommendation i'm not gonna ask you for a recommendation <laughs> that's too true um i i would have to say sushi yeah it has to be though doesn't it mm, the, one of the reasons why i wanted to do this uh you know the restaurant uh business is because um when i was working in the u.s or uh you know when i visit outside of japan People don't really know about Japan. Yeah, at all. And Zero. Uh, it's 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 really uh, it's, it's really motainai for people not to you know experience the right. Japanese food culture. Because yeah. when I when I when when my boss took me to a great steak restaurant in San Francisco, I was shocked with you know how the quality was low <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they they recommended me i asked for like you know what's the best beef and they were like kobe beef i'm like oh yeah <laughs> thank I'm, you I'm so come all the way, so i've come all the yeah. way around the world to get yeah. kobe beef right and probably not even good look there's there are steak restaurants in ginza that mm -hmm. would make a steak restaurant owner in the united states embarrassed mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I totally agree. Yeah. yeah, like Smith and Walensky's, if you brought it to Ginza, they'd just be like, you must be kidding me. Anyway, it's just my opinion. Um, are there other things you can do with restaurants, other services you can provide that you haven't done already, like things in your mind that may not be food-related? Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? As COVID starts to unwind and people start to go out more, are there other things that you can do? um yeah i mean we can do all sorts of things in the future in theory um you know employee management or or like you know uh, people usually evaluate their employees internally but uh, for restaurants i think it's very important for the customers to also be part of that interesting so you know one way to do that is with system because um outside of Japan where there is, you know, tipping culture, right? people might be able to measure the, you know, the customer satisfaction with the amount you of know, tips the, you get. The tip, yeah, amount of tip. But in Japan, there's no tipping culture. So you have to, you know, get that input from another, you know, data source. Also, maybe we can build a community of, uh, you know, diners like foodies and also maybe build community within like, you know, restaurant staffs across different, you know, companies. Yeah, I mean, it's a really good idea. Once you build a community, it's hard for people to leave. And if there's a table check community, you could actually do table check meetups and a whole bunch exactly. of other stuff you could do. Right? Exactly, yeah. Did you ever think about putting... Here, here's the idea from me. Here's another free idea that I've just had. Restaurants have downtime, yeah? So between lunch and dinner, if they're open for breakfast, between breakfast and lunch, yeah? Mm -hmm. I've always wondered why restaurants at scale... And in my mind, I've always thought about these kind of Irish pub type places, but it doesn't just have to be them. They already have people making food. They already have places to sit and they already have power. Why not, not advertise, but like market themselves as a place where you can get work done, right? Now that people are working from anywhere, mm -hmm. why not create a space where you could do this? 
Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like have a three yeah. meter by three meter space where someone could come mm. in and do this type of thing for any kind of content creator, for any kind of thing, and then upsell them into the food, right? Because if they're mm. there at three mm. and they work until five, well, then they're naturally there for dinner. Why not put a studio or something in a restaurant mm. and completely differentiate it, right? Not a bad yeah. restaurant, even a nice restaurant, yeah? Mm. And then businessmen will go there as opposed to go to an office, yeah? Or a co-working space. Very interesting because some some restaurants are actually doing that already. Also, some karaoke's are doing that already. Yeah, but karaoke's no. could I? <laughs> and the karaoke food there is, is not actually so great. very very convenient because you can just uh, call a staff and they would deliver you drinks. Yeah, but it's it's a it's a bad environment. I'm talking about like if mm -hmm. I'm a businessman on a trip mm -hmm. from New York, and I'm coming to Tokyo, I don't want to sit in my hotel room all day, but I would sit in Robuchon, mm -hmm. right? Right, right, right. And then I'm definitely going to start drinking at five. And if I have a place to work that has good equipment in it, so I can do my meetings and do all my virtual stuff there, that should work. No, and then they can book it using table check. Yeah, actually, um, from my experience, I have to be honest, but I've been visiting the restaurants during the downtime. Tell me. And, and um, a lot of the staffs are taking naps. Yeah, they are. So maybe they, they don't want the do. guests to come and like, you know, start making noise, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just look at everything as an opportunity to use space, particularly during mm -hmm. downtime and off-peak hours. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so what does the future look like to you? Right, you're going to roll out. You said this, the third part of the business plan. What 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 does the future look like to you? More expansion into more countries, particularly as COVID unwinds. Right. I think uh, we want to dominate Asia first, and then maybe attack uh, U.S. and European markets. Um, actually, I'm wearing. Well, um, a polo shirt, table check polo shirt. And, and on my back, it says uh, con World Conquest. Yes. In, in like 15 different languages. In 15 different languages. Right. Wait, what does it say in Japanese? Sekai <laughs> Seiha. <laughs> so some people ask me, like, you know, my, my barber asks me, like, oh, are, are you a MMA fighter? <laughs> right, right, because you get it cut short over here. Yeah. Um, are people surprised, and I'll let you go after this, but are people surprised sometimes just how international you are as a person? You know what I mean? Like when you walk into a room in Dubai or in Singapore, it's kind of like your second home, right? But in other countries in the world, you go into cell, are they surprised just how well you can communicate with them? Do you know what I mean? And then do you look back on the time you spent at UWC and just think that was definitely worth the struggle kind of thing? Mm, yeah, I... I, I I think my English is okay, and uh, people appreciate that I can I can communicate in in, in English. Uh, I think it's more over more of like um, thinking out of box. Always, yeah. You know, I never listen to people. Actually, <laughs> that's the thing. Like you know, people say like you know this is the rule. This is you know how you do it. I always am skeptical. Yeah, I can feel. And uh, that that was. Thanks to my genes and also the education at UWC, I, I, I believe, because uh, at UWC there was a history class, and the you know usually in Japan you would just memorize all the dates and years and yep. you know the events that happened. But uh, at UWC we we watched uh, like four or five documentaries uh, related to John F. Kennedy's assassination. Right and. Some documentaries say, you know, the Lee Harvey Oswald is the assassin. And some documentaries said it's CIA. Some documentaries said it's alien. 
<laughs> alien. And, and at the end of the semester, each student would have to come up with their own theory and try to persuade the, the rest of the class. Right. And so, so there's no like correct answer or anything like yeah. that, but it's, it's totally opposite of how Japanese education is done. Right. And this is one of the reasons why I was so happy that my daughter actually graduated from the same type of school in Thailand is that they weren't teaching them things. They were teaching them how to learn things and how to think mm -hmm. about things, not to analyze things, which is way more important than learning the dates and times of the murders of uh, mm -hmm. world leaders. Yeah. Right. Right. <clears throat> um, so the last thing, you know, you said when we first started talking that your mom and your dad said to you the best way to have a good life is by going to a great high school, going to a great university, and then getting a job at, like, Mitsui Busan. Um, what do they think now? Mm, my mother is um, very supportive. Yeah. And I have to say my father is still skeptical He's that, still skeptical. you know, my business is going to go well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. 11 years in, still right. worried. Anyway, I think this was such a great story. You have to come back in like a few months to give me an update on how things are going if for no other reason than just to chit chat, if that's okay. More than happy to. Yutani Gucci, the founder and the CEO of Table Check. That was awesome. Thank you, Michael.